Patrick Guarnieri is a 20-year industry veteran, school owner, stylist, national redkin artist, and a board member of the D.C. Board of Barbering Cosmetology. If you missed his last interview, uh, we talked about his whole hair journey, getting to where he is. And now today, we're going to zoom in on some of the things such as his vantage point around the future generation, being a school owner, and being on the D.C. Board of Barbers and Cosmetology. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes, and I'm your host. Today, I'm with Patrick Guarneri. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good, Robert. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so, well, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the show. And I really enjoyed our last conversation. And for anybody who's tuning in and did not get a chance to hear your story, would you give us like a quick high-level kind of recap? Of what yours of your story, uh, kind of leading from school to where you are. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, graduated from Graham Webb. Um, I, the first salon I worked in, we were a Redken Elite salon. Um, super fortunate to be around tons of Redken education, which led to me um, becoming an artist for them and educating. And then through that um, journey and meeting people, uh, the opportunity to open the school uh, sort of fell in my lap. Um, so we opened the Salon Professional Academy and. Um, that's where I spend most of my time now. Nice. Awesome. If you did not hear his or list or watch his uh, previous episode, it's pretty good. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Like the steps and how he, he went and like applied himself and utilized various items and, and advice for how to get to becoming a stage educator or what it's like to be a school owner. You should definitely check it out. Okay. So today, uh, we're, why don't we start off with this whole, uh, you know, I still feel like the conversation is still being had uh, about, you know, what can we expect from the future? You know, there's a lot of conversation about young people and uh, what they're interested in or what their work ethic is like. And um, I'm curious to to know from your perspective, um, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the next generation of hairdressers? Oh, I think the first thing I would think of, like the first thing that popped in my mind just now was constant change, you know, that like, and I think that's where our industry is right now is like, so many things are are really in the process of shifting. Some of them that we probably didn't even realize were happening and, and more to come, you know, um, because and I love it. Like we, we talked about a little bit, the you know, our last interview, like I love the, their mentality now of like people coming into the business is, is that they, you know, when I went to school, it was like, you had to do, you know, hair, nails, skin, you know what I mean? Wax, waxing, all of those things you had to learn. And, and like, they don't really want to do that stuff, you know, and they, they want to come in and like, they want to learn hair. That's all they want to learn, you know? And I think that some states are figuring it out and like, okay, you know, because, you know, okay, can we give them an opportunity, new stylists to just be a hairstylist? Do they have to learn waxing or do they have to learn all these other things, you know? But, um, you know, I just think that like they have, they've, they've grown up sort of um, really knowing who they are probably more than even I, you know, I did when I was younger and they know what they like and what they don't like. And like, that's what they want to, you know, want to do. Um, and I think it's, it's brilliant that they're, you know, 
coming out of school knowing like, I just want to be a colorist or I just want to cut hair all day long. You know, um, you know, I want to be a texture specialist, whatever it may be like, you know, and they really want to find avenues to fulfill like that thing, you know, for them and not just go into a salon and, you know, be put on the books and take everything that comes their way, you know, like they, they're completely disinterested in that way of life. And to me, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So what, when a, uh, and what about like, I'm imag- I imagine you talk to salon owners and hiring managers and educators uh, that work in salons yeah. with uh, with with rising stylists and maybe even some of your students. Uh, but just in general, what are what are you hearing uh, from them when it comes to what the what the challenges that they're having, as well as what uh, what are the some of the things that they're excited about or realizing or learning about the rising stylists? I think that most of the the owners and you know managers you know whatever that I that I've talked to like sort of like two camps ones that are having real success and ones that are really struggling and and maybe that's like anything in life but I think that the ones that are having success with finding newer talent and fostering newer talent and, and convincing them to to work for them and stay for them it's because that they've sort of like gotten out of their own way and really listen to like what the new stylists are saying and um, not trying to force them into like the box that we were all put in when we first started, you know, Um, the, I hear a lot about like, Oh, this new generation is lazy. They don't like to work. You know, they have no work ethic. They, you know, they think everything should be handed to them. And I, I don't really think that's true. Like, I think that when they're engaged in a way that like sparks their creativity and their what they're interested in, they're the hard, you know, newer stylists and, you know, younger, I don't know how, you know, young that is, but younger stylists, they're some of the most hardworking people I know, but they just don't want to be forced into these boxes of like, you have to fit this one mold, you know? Um, and so I think that really understanding that like, and it's why I became a stylist, like because there, you could be successful in this industry in so many different ways, right? Like you don't have to stand behind a chair taking twenty clients a day to be successful, you know. Um, and the the salon owners that have understood that and have adapted, and you know, um, I mean, even some of the major business, you know, uh, systems and programs out there, they've all really adapted to like, you know, it used to be, you know, three nights, two days, all weekend long was your schedule. Well, now with social media and the networking that, you know, we're able to do that way, like you can build a clientele and be there, you know, Monday through Thursday from nine to five. You know what I mean? You can build that clientele. And so owners that like understand that and give them the space and the freedom to sort of do that, I guess, I I think are are not having, you know, having great success finding new talent, but the ones that try and like, this is what I had to go through. So this is what you're going through. Like no one wants to work for that anymore you know i always love when owners say to me like well in my day you know and and my response is like well it's not your day anymore no offense like you know what i mean like it's not my day anymore you right, know? Right. like you know and um you know when i was a new stylist like i did anything that my boss asked me to i did anything that i was told you know what i mean like all those things and you know you know go mop the floor okay i'll go mop the floor you know these new stylists and, and i love it but they're like why that's not what i'm here for you know what i mean like it's i don't know i just think that like new talent like they just want to be engaged in a way that like sparks their creativity and their interest um and if you allow them that space like they're the most hard-working people that i've met 
in a long time. Now that's nice. That's definitely different than, um, I agree. That's that you, I hear a lot of people complaining. Uh, my personal experience has been, uh, if you think through everything like really in depth and put down on paper, I mean, not to be legalistic on paper, even if you have the, it memorized in your mind, but being able to tell them what your expectations are, mm -hmm. you know, if mopping the floor is an expectation, then you make sure you say that in the beginning, because otherwise they'll be like, no, I'm not here to mop floors. And then you'd be like, you're so lazy, you know? Right. <clears throat> so it's like, what I've found is the more, the more, the more um, transparent, the more thorough you are, and the more time you take to check in with them on a regular basis to make sure that they're not kind of moving sideways on you, kind of questioning right. something or maybe feeling bad about something or or maybe thinking you felt a certain way about them. Um, they might move sideways all the way out the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, I see it like, you know, my nephews are, you know, in their early twenties and, you know, late teens and like, you know, and it's brilliant, but they were raised, you know, that like their opinion matters, you know? And like, whereas like when I was a new stylist, like I would never have sat in a meeting with my boss and like, you know, gone against what was saying, you know, like never, right. Like you, I never would have totally. done that, <laughs> but they're not afraid to do that. You right. know what I mean? They're not afraid to like voice their opinion. And, and I think all they really want to know is why. Like, if you're telling me I have to do this, I want to know why, right? And like, just what you said, like the owners that have thought through all of that and have a well thought out program, you know, for associates or whatever it is, like, they're cool with it. They're fine. As long as you are able to give them a solid why behind what you're asking them to do, you know, what is mopping the floor going to do for me in my career? And if there's an answer, I'm willing to listen. But if it's just because I haven't employed someone else to mop the floor, we're not, you know, that's not the jam we're, the game we're trying to play, you know? And so like, yeah, they just, they, you know, their motivations are much different than what mine, you know, what, what I think it was when we were, you know, or I was a new stylist, you know, it's, they, they want to be fulfilled and they want a great work-life balance. And how can this, job and career fulfill all of the things that I want in my life. You know what I mean? How can it, you know, I want to travel six months out of the year. How can this job pay for my vacation? You know what I mean? That's the stuff they want to know. That's what they're interested in. And, and it's great. It's great. I still don't have a good work-life balance, you know, at yeah, all. I know, I know. I know. My life is my work. So, right. uh, yeah. So, you know, I just, just a little side, kind of take off to the side here. It makes, I just thought of the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi being like, go wax, <laughs> go wax the cars or go whatever he did, oil or, or yeah. uh, finish the fence or paint the fence, like wax on, wax off, you know? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then up and down, yeah. Right. Imagine they need to make a remake of that where Mr. Miyagi explains himself, you know, at the beginning, right? At the not beginning, like, yes, that's the, yes, you're absolutely right. It's like, yeah. they are not going to paint a fence and they don't know why this is benefiting them. You know what I mean? You're exactly right. Like, it's that model that's like flipped, like the end of that movie almost has to come first for them, yeah, 100%. Right? And it's so, it's so brilliant, right? You know, it's, it's great. Like, I, I just think that they have really figured out like a way to be successful um and still um do things that they love and have that you know the life that they want so and they want to be part of the conversation i mean i feel like that kind of wraps everything together with like the whole why it's like they don't want to just be barked at and that's right. 
that's been my experience. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I feel like you said something that I wanted to go back to. And of course I've lost it. So why don't I just ask this question from your, per- Oh, I know what I was going to say. My, your, You've mentioned, I think it was in the last interview and in, and in person when we've talked about uh, you make these like comments when a, uh, a a salon owner comes to the school and they start talking to the students and you're like, oh, you've lost them uh, or something along those lines. So first thing I want to start off with one is how often do salon owners come into your school? Um, well, before COVID, um, it was a lot like we would on Wednesdays or, you know, almost every Wednesday, we would try and have a salon in or spa in talking to the, um, the students, um, you know, COVID, obviously all that stuff stopped. Um, you know, we tried to do some stuff virtually with them. Um, but we're really trying to get it, you know, and it's, it seems like in the last like six months, honestly, six to eight months, maybe that like that interest is starting to peak again, um, from salon owners, like asking to come in and things, um, so we've really been spending some time like with our directors and stuff here, figuring out like how to do that the most effectively, because I think that also like the days of like those career fairs at, you know, cosmetology schools where like everyone has a table and they're walking around, like no one wants to do that anymore. It's boring. It's, you know, so we've been really trying to figure out like a more effective way to do stuff like that. Um, but we're getting a lot of owner requests because it seems like right now, um, everyone's looking for new talent, you know, like every salon owner I know is looking for people. Um, every spa, you know, that I've talked to is looking for people, um, because there's so much work available, you know, like, um, you know, I have friends that own salons over in Logan circle and they're like, we're turning people away every day. Like we need a new, you know, it's just like everyone's, you know, the industry is really picking back up and everything's, you know, just sort of booming again. What do you think that that's a product of new businesses opening or do you think that's a product of them losing their stylists as a result of the pandemic? Like, it sounds kind of an interesting that there's all of a yeah. sudden this flood of need for new talent. So where's that coming from? I think it's probably somewhere right in the middle. Like, you know, I don't, I think that a lot of um, businesses and this sort of ties into like what we were just talking about, but a lot of businesses that have, that, that weren't changing with the industry lost a lot of stylists to booth rental, you know, suites, things like that. And so those yeah. salons are, trying to backfill, um, you know, but the salons that I know that like have happy teams and they, you know what I mean? Like they just, it's like, they're a magnet because their culture is so great that like, you know what I mean? Like clients want to go. And so they're, you know, it's just like, I think it's sort of in the middle. Like, okay. Okay. And then, uh, okay. So the next question and within that is, um, so it's, or sorry, let me go back. So it does sound like maybe there is enough demand uh, to come into the schools to talk to the students from salon owners. Would you say that that's right? Yeah. Um, okay. So you're yeah. not you're not saying, hey, if you're a salon owner in the DMV, I want you to come into my students. You're saying, no, people are coming and uh, um, that's not, you're, there's not like a call to action to the local industry to go into the schools. Is that accurate? Uh well, I would love, I mean, no, if anyone listening wants to come in and talk to the students, like I, we would love it. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And I think that like, so maybe that's a separate, like two pieces is like coming in to talk to like recruit versus being involved in your local school um, to sort of shape what's coming out. Like those are two very different things. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, our franchise, there's like 
20, 30 schools, whatever we have, I, not one of the owners in our franchise would have turned down a salon and like came to us and said, like, I want to get more involved, you know what I mean, in, 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 in shaping the new stylists and the new talent and, you know, things like that. Um, that every owner should be doing um, and getting involved in, you know, with their schools. And, um, you know, one of the things that we have to have is an advisory board where we meet with salons and spas that hire our graduates. Like schools would love it if you want, you know, owners wanted to be on their advisory board to talk about, you know, um, industry trends, what's changing, what they're seeing, you know, for us to run, you know, our curriculum, what we're doing, how we're doing it by, you know, you as a salon owner and, you know, hey, is this producing what you, your needs are right now? You know, like what skills are missing? Where could we focus more? So I think those are two separate things. Like, yeah, come in and talk about, you know, you need staff, but get involved and help shape and, you know, what your school is doing. Okay, so that is uh, very interesting, and um, I definitely think I, I just learned that for the first time, that schools have advisory boards. Is that something that's part of accreditation for the schools? Yeah. It's mandatory? Yeah. yeah. So part everybody our- <laughs> listening, it's you can be involved in your local school's education, and you just got to hit them up. So yeah. I just hit you up and say, hey, I want to talk about like what it means to be as a part of your advisory board? Yeah. Hey, like, do you have an advisory board? Um, if you do, I'd love to be a part of it. And uh, how can I get involved? Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that like, that's sort of been like one of the, the most shocking things to me as be, like, since we've opened this school is like, schools have this like big, bad, like reputation. You know what I mean? That it's like, you know, there's the school. And then when you graduate, like your career really sort of finally takes off and you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? Like what I think people don't understand about the schools a lot, which has sort of led me into the other areas that I, you know, with like the DC board is that we are so heavily regulated, you know, that like, you know, when people are like schools don't teach you anything and they're just there to make you pass your exams and, you know, but every hour that I teach a cosmetology student has to fit into like one of 10 buckets that the board says I can teach from, you know what I mean? And so it's like, a lot of it isn't about like, all I care about is preparing them for their exam. It's like, that's all I were able to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like getting involved in the schools, coming in, um, getting involved in your local boards and the regulation side and like, what are, you know, what are we asking of schools right now? You know, um, that's a whole nother side that, you know, we have, we have a board of barber and cosmetology meeting every month, every single month DC has one. And I think we just had one last week and there were two people on it that were not um, part of the board. You know, two people were, were on the meeting. Um, so getting involved that way, I think is like such an area of opportunity for our industry um, that not enough people take advantage of. All right. Well, uh, I'll be <laughs> that's my soapbox for the day. <laughs> I'll be hitting you up uh, about getting on the advisory board, and uh, I will also I'll be looking. I got to figure out when. All, so, when are the dates for the DC Cosmetology Board? Is it like the first second, Monday of every month? First Monday of every month. I'm yeah. see. I'm writing that down in the middle of this interview. August is recess, so we don't have one in August. But uh, okay. first Monday of every month, typically, unless there's a holiday, it bumps back to the the next um the next week you know and and that's you know even from being like on the other side like you know being a member of the board for this year 
um, they're all really great people. You know, they're all really great people. It just, um, nothing is going to ever, I just sort of got to a place where I decided that like, I couldn't just sit and complain about something if I wasn't willing to get involved and uh, try and change what I thought needed to be changed for the better. And so that led me to apply for the board as many times as I did. Um, ultimately, you know, finally got a yes um, and got on uh, the board this past year. But yeah, I mean, like there's such an opportunity for people, you know, our whole industry to get involved and be a part of the meetings, ask questions, um, give your ideas, you know, uh, what, what you think needs to happen. Well, I love this and I feel like we can keep talking uh, because there's like so many things that have come up in this conversation, but I think this is a good place to wrap it up. And I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question, even though you just did it. uh, But is there any last, any, any last things to say or calls to action for the industry that you'd like to kind of drive home a little bit uh, as we sign off? I just, One of my like missions this year has been to get more actively involved in the industry that that I love so much. Everything I have in life is because I became a hairstylist first, you know? So the only thing I would like almost beg of people that is just to get involved in some way, Um, your local board, your local school, um, get involved. Um, High schools around you that have, you know, um, cosmetology programs, like, just get involved um, because when we all start doing that, that's how our industry is going to continue to evolve into better places uh, for everyone that comes behind us. A hundred percent. I love this. All right. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for taking the time. I know you're a very busy person and uh, I really do appreciate it. And um, I, I really do. I learned something and uh, I'm going to be uh, taking, you know, your, what you said and, uh, being more active. And especially now that I know this thing about the advisory board. So thanks for sharing that. And yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, I'll talk to you later.